What's up, podcast listeners? It's your boy, Matt Baxter, on another great episode of The Matt Baxter Show. I know, I know, super creative name. I'm hanging out with Hibben Rothschild. Hibben is just an amazing human being. Shout out to Kelly Hoppish again on another great introduction, new friendship, blah, 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 blah. Everybody Kelly introduces me to ends up being a pretty awesome person. But uh, on this podcast, we talk about people. We talk about talent. We talk about software. And uh, in, in Hibben's business, she is launching um, you know, just this amazing organization tailored around helping uh, companies from a fractional head of people standpoint. Uh, navigating some of the challenging waters uh, as a CEO myself of what it's like to hire people, hire great people, build great teams. And she's doing that, rocking it, helping teams. And she's just an amazing human being. So number one, you should listen to this podcast. Number two, you should reach out to her, follow along uh, with everything that she's got going on. Uh, And Hib and I just want to say thank you for your impact on the world. And uh, I loved, loved, loved chatting with you deeper. Thanks a ton. Hibben, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So you are recording from Chicago, yeah? Correct. Chicago, Illinois. I've been here about nine years, which is insane. <laughs> so you've seen seen some highs and lows of the city. It's it's like one of my favorite cities of all time. Yeah, I've I've loved it. And, you know, it's funny. I grew up in Atlanta and I, I just like Chicago for whatever reason wasn't on my radar. I just thought about all the the Eastern cities. And so, uh, I remember my first time visiting was 20 summer of 2011. And I just realized sometimes when you go to a new place, you have a preconceived notion of what it is. I realized I had absolutely no idea what to expect with Chicago, which was actually really nice to like go to a place and let it just experience it without any expectations. That's the truth. Well, we're going to talk more about Chicago, but before we dive into that, um, you know, give me your background. You mentioned that you're from Atlanta and we talked a little bit beforehand from Buckhead, which I actually love, but, um, you know, just give me your background. Who are you? Where do you come from? And just tell me more about you. Yeah. So as you said, I grew up in Atlanta, went to an international school, which was really fun. Uh, went to college at George Washington in DC and stayed there for a couple years after. Wound up moving to Boston. Um, and at the time, I started my career in the nonprofit world doing fundraising. So I had a job offer that took me to Boston, where I very shortly after met my husband. Uh, I like to joke that I didn't even know where the grocery store was yet, but you know, I found a husband. Um, well, that's that's the, you know that's a good first find. Well done. <laughs> I, well, it, that makes it sound like I was on like a husband hunt, which I, I very much wasn't. <laughs> to be very clear about that. Um, but yeah, we were in Boston for about three and a half years. Um, and that coincided with me kind of having this career crisis where I was like, I just don't think I love the nonprofit world. I would be at a company and by six months in, I was already bored looking for the next thing. And I just realized that maybe the nonprofit world wasn't for me. There's, you know, it kind of makes sense. There's not as much funding. They have to be really thoughtful with, their, their money and how it's spent. And so there's just not as, as much innovation and, and room to tinker. And so it was kind of this organic, like I'm moving to a new city. Why don't I make a career pivot? And, uh, it became clear after a million conversations that, uh, really tech was almost the opposite of, of the nonprofit world. And so I was really targeting tech companies when we moved to Chicago at the time, I thought I wanted to do event marketing since I'd done a lot of events uh, in my career and in, vol- in a volunteer capacity. Um, and I applied to a job at a company here called Sprout Social. 
uh, and I didn't get the job, which I was bummed about. But then a week later, the recruiter, uh, this guy, Jim Conti, uh, called me and said, you know, I really enjoyed our conversation. Have you thought about the people space? I know someone at a company called Braintree and they're hiring, happy to make an introduction. And I mean, I, I almost fell over because who does that? Um, and I was used to, you know, you apply to a job and your resume goes into a black box and you you don't hear anything. So the fact that not only had someone followed up with me, but was helping me was was huge. And I'm, I'm still friends with Jim to this day. But that brought me to Braintree. Um, they were about 150 people when I started. They'd just been acquired by PayPal. Uh, and they'd recently also acquired Venmo. Growing like crazy, there was about 150 Braintree employees when I started and um, over 700 when I left. We were also scaling the Venmo customer service team in Chicago. So it was just one of those rapid growth, really fun um, times. And I started on the recruiting team, supporting them. Um, and then once again, when you're growing, you just are kind of grabbing stuff. And I didn't even stop to think what I was doing. It was just like, all right, we need 45 day reviews. We need internship programming. We need um, a new applicant tracking system. We need all these things. And so you're just running. And um, I came to another career inflection point there. I, I loved Braintree, but I found that two things were happening. Um, one, I felt like more and more we were looking to be integrated into PayPal. Um, and they were a huge enterprise company. And we, I felt like we were more of a, a scrappier startup. And so I, I felt like I was defending the systems and processes we were using um, more than actually doing my job and building, which is what I loved. And I was also finding myself uh, doing more manager coaching and I'd never been a manager. So I felt a little bit like a fraud. <laughs> so I, I decided to leave Braintree, which is one of the hardest decisions uh, to leave somewhere where you love and are working with amazing people. But I, I just knew that if I wanted to grow, I had to, to go somewhere else. So I went to a company called Jelly Vision, um, also a, a SaaS tech company here in Chicago that's very well known for having um, a great culture, wonderful people. Um, and so they historically had had recruiting, but not HR. So they hired myself and a new chief people officer to build out that HR infrastructure. So I got to do, once again, what I loved, uh, which is building, but um, have more autonomy over the systems and processes we were using. Uh, and I got to be a manager. So I got to get my feet wet and have my own stories to better be able to guide managers in that business partner world. Um, so I was there almost five years and uh, I left when I was about 30 weeks pregnant with my second child to start at a private equity-owned company called Source Intelligence. Um, and they were also growing quickly through M&A. Um, and I was their first head of people. Um, and then most recently, I left that job in January of this year uh, to go out on my own and start uh, a fractional consulting business where I act as a head of people for smaller companies who can't or really shouldn't at their stage. They don't really need a to spend that much money on a full-time head of people, but they need someone more than someone maybe that's an office manager moonlighting as HR. So uh, that's what I've been up to since um, January of this year. And that brings me to right now. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, <clears throat> up to nothing, nothing to think about, nothing to process. <laughs> no, your, your story is amazing. And actually, it's uh, I, I, I love the, you know, Atlanta to Boston, Boston, Chicago, and also kind of in the midst of all the companies, too. And I, I, I really want to double click on your comment around managing and coaching managers without managing yourself and kind of the feeling of fraud or be, be, feeling like you're a fraud. I as a startup founder, managing people either older than me or way more experienced or investors dollars, there's like plenty of days I wake up and I'm like, wow, have I lied to all these people? I don't mean to be, but like, I, I, I don't know if I'm the right guy for the job at times. And so I totally can relate to that. So I, I just want to say, I really appreciate kind of the transparency and honesty about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I beat the drum on humility. I, I think it's one of the most important things is to have self-awareness of you know, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And, and that's, I think it's a skill. And so I try and lead with that myself of there are certain things that I know, there's a lot that I definitely don't know. Um, but I think I try and go after learning and getting experience in the things that I think are helpful, especially if it's things that I feel like can help other people, because that's, that's my role is how do I, how am I going to help someone be a better manager if I haven't, lived that. I can read every book on being a good manager, but at it, it, a certain point, that's almost just academic. It's not tried and true, like battlefield tested, like, hey, I've been there and here's an example of how I dealt with that in that situation. I, I, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of truth to that. So I, you know, something I'm fascinated by is I really like that you have both been on the tech side of the people business and the people side of the people business. So, uh, part one of when you're in the weeds of actually helping manage and, uh, you know, just be a part of people's lives, not on the tech side, but actually on the HR side, what do you think companies do a great job at kind of holistically? And what do you think companies like, what's the first step of some, something that most companies by default are just not very good at when it comes to the people side of their business? Ooh. <laughs> um, I think number, the first thing that comes to mind is, clear expectations. And, and I think what goes into that is a lot of work. I think, um, there can be this mentality, especially at smaller companies where you're like, Oh, we just need to get like good people in the door and they'll figure it out and everything will be great and it'll be magic. And to some degree, like that is true. Like finding wonderful, great, talented people with strong skill sets is critical to, to a business's success, but like you still have to create frameworks of what success looks like. And that goes, that's across the board. That's a job description. Like that's where the ambiguity goes. It's like, well, what, how does the person know what role they're filling within the company? It doesn't have to be crazy prescriptive, especially in the startup world where you're pivoting a lot, but still like outlining what success looks like, what are they owning? And then from there, it's also the processes around performance and giving feedback and making sure what is good look like? What does great look like? Are we rewarding for great or are we rewarding it good? And so it's, it's almost like creating these measuring sticks for, for success. And, and so I think that like it gets overlooked because it feels like, oh, well, that's just something administrative. Like, oh, they'll figure it out. But everyone wants to be, the good people want to over deliver, but they need to even know what delivering looks like to over deliver. 
it's, you know, I, I think managing expectations or laying out expectations is where majority of the world problems uh, start is because people have expectations of others, but don't vocalize them or people, you know, I have expectations of you or you of me, obviously we just know each other, but like you have expectations of people and you don't lay them out. That's actually on you as the leader manager or person in a relationship. And it's not on the other person if you haven't kind of laid out what your expectations are of them. So I, I think that's an amazing place to start. Yeah. And it's really not hard. I mean, truly just a few bullet points can make a huge deal. And, and I, you know, I think it also happens when you meet someone you're really excited about and you want them to join your company and you're in this sell mode. So you, you almost want to promise them the world of if you come here, you can do whatever you want you can, you know, whatever, you know, carve out this thing for yourself. But that, that, that person might have a vision for what that means and what that looks like that doesn't align with you. And then you're disappointed and frustrated as the leader. You're like, well, I hired you to do this job, but maybe you, you were too much in sell mode versus like, this is what success would look like in three months or six months. This is where I hope our company is in six months. I, I it, it doesn't have to be onerous. I, yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. Um, so same same type of question, but around uh, the technology side of HR. So um, I think as uh, Kelly probably shared, you know, we we I own a video interviewing company, so we we are in the HR tech world, right? And we're building technology that hopefully improves the lives of the end candidates and applicants and people trying to get jobs, improves the lives of uh, business leaders and HR managers and recruiters. Um, and so we're doing everything we possibly can uh, to obviously create something that's great for the world. But, you know, obviously we don't always get it right. And same thing with plenty of other technologies in the space for, for whatever reason. And so for you, uh, for, for people who are trying to you're, I guess from the technology side, where do you think sort of the, the different tools in the space do a great job in enhancing the lives of people and do kind of a terrible job? And you don't have, obviously have to talk any specifics, but more generic speaking. Yeah. I mean, I, I love HR tech tools. I mean, obviously I drink the cool the hidden and with people ops person, but I think that especially in the last several years, the UI and UX has gotten so great. The integrations that, that is my number one thing that I look for is integrations because the last thing I want to do is once a week have to remember to pull a report out of the HRIS and upload it into the system. And, you know, it's like it's a tedious thing that feels like it should be automated for me. So I feel like that sort of answers your question on both sides where it's like Slack integrations or HRIS to ATS or a performance tool to your HRIS like those if it seamlessly does that that is amazing and it blows my mind the number of tools that don't like and and it's to me it's almost a non-starter you can build the coolest most useful thing but that tiny thing of like crap once a week I have to pull a report and manually upload it 
it can can be a deal breaker for me. It's it's so funny how you know I I use a lot of different tech products myself, and it's rarely the broad stroke of what the product is. It's usually one small little nuance, which is like this is the greatest thing ever, or this is the worst thing ever. And so quickly uh, you can find those two. So it's pretty pretty funny you say that. Yeah, well, and I think that a lot. What I've also seen happen is. Um, HR tech company will build their tool and do it very well. And a natural place that they, that an easy way to grow is through M&A. So they buy some, you know, let's say you're a performance tool and you want to start doing engagement or vice versa. And so you're like, well, rather than build it ourselves, we're going to just buy this company and, you know, we'll use their tool. But then they don't take the time to make sure that they really integrate well or are almost like a similar philosophy to me it's almost like you know trying to make um like mac and microsoft talk to each other when it's like totally different way of thinking and so it can just be frustrating we're like i really like this tool but i really don't like the other part the other module that you added on through mna um and so that's where i like i just love integrations and i realize that's maybe not helpful for companies who are looking to grow, but it's like, I would rather have integrations and pick the different tools that I think are amazing and create my own tech stack through that. Yeah. That's music to my ears because, uh, I, so I don't come from HR tech at all. I come from mowing lawns and then launch an HR (laughs) tech company. Right. So not the most standard career transition. And so, you know, I basically had this like kind of dummied version of an idea for what our business is today. And then we start to get to know things like payroll and HRS solutions and ATSs and background checks and yada, 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 all things you know. But we kind of quickly learned after just talking to a bunch of business owners, HR managers, TA leaders, all of them said the same thing. Like, look, if it doesn't plug into our existing system, then we don't really care. Well, then we started to ask the other question, like, are you good to use it if it's not your existing systems tool, but it does work seamlessly? Absolutely. And it's something that I found is like, we've doubled down on our business strategy around being able to partner with all these different ATSs and HRS solutions and payroll providers, just because it's a better solution if we can be the expert in one area, and they can be the expert in another area as well. And so I it's, it's actually really cool that you say that because I think some people use it's kind of lip service around the idea of like, we want it all to be in one simple system. But yet, that means you're probably going to have a pretty average or even below average experience of each of the different categories, but it's all in the same one, you know, for the sake of it. Right. And so I, I, I really appreciate your, your, your philosophy on that. Oh, well, good. I'm hopefully I didn't make anyone else mad <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, a, as a user. That's, that's how I feel. And I'm, I feel like I have a high bar and I'm pretty picky about my tools. And when I love a tool, I mean, they should call me because I, I love them. Um, And so I would just rather be able to have that control of like, this tool does performance really well. This tool does engagement really well. Love this onboarding tool. And, and to, you know, it's, it's what I feel like, you know, the Netflix and Hulu's were trying to do um, of really getting to customize and, and cherry pick your experience. Yeah. I love that. Well, so Let's talk more about you. So obviously you've had an amazing background. Like where are you spending the majority of your day-to-day life right now? And like, as far as what you're focused in, the problems you're trying to solve and then, you know, what, what's kind of future state looking like for you too? Yeah. I mean, it's, 
it, it looks really different now because I'm I'm out on my own. So not only am I in house at my two clients where and they're very different. One of them is actually a personal branding agency. The other is is a SaaS tech company. Um, but there's also this aspect of I'm on my own. I'm figuring out business development. How am I selling myself? How am I branding myself? And that's a whole new uncomfortable skill I'm trying to learn is uh, like, who do I want to be? How do I want to put myself out there? What's authentic to me? Um, and trying to find the balance of all those things where, you know, I'm have a dedicated amount of time for each of my clients, but I also have to remember to force myself out of my comfort zone from a business development standpoint. So it, it changes with my clients, with, with um, the personal branding agency. It's really about leveling up their managers. They've got a wonderful culture. They've, they care a lot about their values. So it's really things like, how are you talking about the difference between growth and performance in a way that is clear and helpful for both the managers as well as the employees. And then for my other client, which is, is in the tech space, um, it's really laying that foundation. They've never had a dedicated HR person. And so coming in and doing that assessment of, where to start, what are your business goals, um, and building the plane while you're flying it. So, and that goes across the board. It's, it's, I'm building out a recruiting SOP for them at the moment, as well as thinking about like, Hey, how do we optimize the leadership dynamics? And do we need to do an offsite and do strategic planning for 2023? So, um, it's, it's, it runs the gamut. (laughs) Yeah, and your your hands are uh, are full for sure. Um, I, it's actually you know listening to you say that kind of makes me think of something else. Like, so we're a team of 10, 12 people, right? And so we don't have anybody obviously dedicated uh, full time to HR. But fortunately, we have people with HR backgrounds. So there's we 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 make up some gaps. But like, I know a lot of companies probably approach somebody like you or others in the space of like you know, when an issue comes up, then you go find somebody to help you with HR. How do you sort of toe the line of the balance of, you know, what's a good place to kind of get started? You might not need somebody full time. You could do it through consulting versus like not being reactionary to when issues come up. How do you, how do you balance sort of those two things or recommend that for smaller companies? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to be honest, um, because I think what can happen is, a lot of times founders are serial founders and, and serial entrepreneurs. And so they've, they've maybe, maybe might not have ever worked at a company where they've seen strategic HR. And so they're kind of like, I know I'm supposed to have HR, but I don't really like, does that just mean someone who's, you know, onboarding my new hires in a, an HRIS? Like, I think some of it is, is really having to teach them, And so the way I think about it in that situation where someone maybe doesn't really get it is coming in and and starting with the operations of like, okay, let's immediately add value. Let's clean up your, um, your processes, create some consistency so that you're not reinventing the wheel every time you hire someone new. Let's, um, you know, build out your performance review cycle. So at least everyone in the company knows that twice a year, however often they're going to get some feedback and starting there and you build trust through that, through follow through. Um, Because sometimes, yeah, you can, 
you can sit and say, no, it's really important. This adds value. It, it increases engagement. You can say those things, but sometimes I feel like it's hard for people to internalize and understand that until they've seen it themselves. Um, so that's, that's one of when someone, when I'm working with someone who maybe hasn't worked with a strategic HR leader and is like, I don't really get it. That's, that's where I start is just building that trust, um, and adding value where I can and working up to those broader strategic pieces. Yeah. I love it. Um, if you're going to solve sort of one big issue in HR during the course of your career, what would you want that to be? Ooh. You're going to take one big swing and say, you know, when you were on your retirement day, wherever that might be, you'd be like, I solved that. Wow. Um, I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is something around like helping managers and leaders have like difficult conversations. And it goes back to those expectations. Like, how do I enable them to be the best managers and create the right expectations, have difficult conversations such that they create great cultures, they create engagement in their employees, and and then through that, their companies thrive. Like, I, I, I just – that – I think it all leads back to that is I think that that is so – important and it is the like the secret sauce um that is is so overlooked and if if i can help through that lens i it feels soft and squishy to say that but i just genuinely believe that that leads to better business outcomes i just started um the book the advantage by patrick lencioni and um you know it's that concept of of the differentiator is like these strong leadership teams and that trickles down. Um, and it's, it's hard to put metrics on it, but it it is the differentiator. I love it. That's so good. Um, so my favorite question on the planet is what gets you out of bed in the morning? And that's both can be because uh, because a because a dog comes and wakes you up. That could be uh, more more you know more glamorous and uh, uh, esoteric. So take it whatever direction that you want. But Hibben, for you, what what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, yes, very literally, I have a one year old and a three year old, and uh, so I'm forced to get up because I have to you know feed them. Um, so, so very tactically that gets me up early in the morning, but, um, kind of on that more philosophical question, you know, I, I saw that this is a question you asked, so I, I did give it some thought cause I was like, I'm just going to say something dumb if I don't think about it. Um, and really I was hoping that I would come up with some like grand wise thing that your listeners could take away and feel invigorated in life. But like at the end of the day, I just like, I, I want to live my life like and I want to live it to its fullest and that doesn't mean like this whole concept of oh my gosh you have to only have that one life to live and then you go skydiving or something like whether it's when you're a middle schooler and you're in braces like lean into that like when you're in your 20s and you going out too late with your friends and having too much fun, like lean into that. Like right now, the phase that I'm in, you know, I'm 
a mom. I have two little kids. I'm very tired, but I also recognize that this is a phase in my life and I want to live it to its fullest and be present for it and engaged because at the end of the day, whether it's your friends, your spouse, your kids, your colleagues, your boss, like the biggest gift you can give anyone is your engagement. And so I just, I want to give myself the gift of being engaged in my life. I think that's one of the most honest and awesome answers I've heard. So thank you. <laughs> that's, Absolutely. That's, and and uh, congrats on being a mother too. I know my, I don't have any kids, but my sister has a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So I'm sure you guys can swap more oh, stories. It, yeah. <laughs> yep. She gets it for sure. So <laughs> awesome. Well, Hibben, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Um, it, for people that want to follow along uh, with your career, maybe reach out, maybe get some HR advice. What's the best way for them to either get in touch with you or, or, or follow along all the things that you got going on? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm probably the only Hibben Rothschild out there. It's not hard to find. Um, you can email me uh, at hibben at foundhr.co um, as well. So either of those are great ways to find me. Always happy to chat and expand my network. It's been That's been one of the most fun things of going out on my own is I just feel like I'm meeting different people. I'm happy to talk to anyone. It's just been really nice to be engaged with the world again, if you will. <laughs> That's so good. Well, Hibben, thank you so much. Seriously, this has been an amazing podcast and I just can't thank you enough. Yeah. Happy to be here. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well, too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye. <laughs>